0: Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. joined week by both my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Steven Vincentez. Just a one-part show this week, as we are all here together to give you the latest uh, news and thoughts we have in the world of pro wrestling, uh, starting with Fastlane, which took place last Saturday. A uh, couple big stories coming out of the show. We had Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso winning the tag team titles, and then also having a little bit of a segment and match with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens this past Monday on Raw. Which I thought was pretty cool, uh, but otherwise we had Sam, uh, we had Seth Rollins retain, we had Io Sky uh, retain as well. So uh, that tag team title uh, win was just kind of the only kind of the real shake up for the night. LA Knight and John Cena beating the Bloodline, of course, to or J- Uso, Jimmy Uso and Solo Sequoia as well, but. Uh, with uh, Fastlane in the books and Raw also in the books, obviously, as well, uh, just go over to you, Chairman, first. What is your big main takeaway from uh, Fastlane?
1: Um, I think for a B pay-per-view, just when you think you have the script all figured out, you don't. Um, Cody and Jay Uso winning the tag team championships was not on my outcome list at all and here we are they're both tag champions you know obviously jay was with jimmy forever no as one of the best tag teams ever and that's obviously not part of cody's story is to be a tag champion so here we are these guys are tag champions now and you know, we know we saw the encounters on raw with sammy and ko and it's kind of waiting for that end credits <laughs> uh, heel turn by ko but we didn't get it yet but i think it's gonna happen you know, they're put, they're put, they're put, there's some good work with the tag team division right now. You know, we talked how they kind of stalled on KO and Sammy after WrestleMania with their big match with the Usos. But now, you know, we got new champs now. You know, Judgment Day was, had a great run as tag champs, and they want to get back there. So there's some nice uh, revolving pieces on the top tier of the tag division right now. So it'll be really interesting to see where it all goes from after Fastlane.
0: Yeah, and as we talked about we had the newly uh, heel turned Street Profits, I mean, you could always do Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar as a tag team at some point down the line too. Um, you got Gargano and Champa back together, so yeah, it seems like the tag team division over the last uh, few weeks has gotten a shot of life into it, as far as just you know new tag teams and changes of directions for other tag teams. Uh, Cam, what is your big t- main takeaway point from Fastlane last Saturday?
2: That Cody knows what yeet is. I mean, I feel I feel like Cody Rhodes in that segment where Jey Uso the, at the presser was teaching Cody all the hip words. Kind of like my wife is Jey Uso and I'm Cody Rhodes and I'm kind of just learning. You know, I'm like the old guy. Kind of just figuring out life. Um, I mean, it was a good show. I was really surprised that they actually won. I think I picked them to win via DQ and they would kind of extend this feud out a little bit and, you know, maybe have another tag team match on Raw or the next pay-per-view or something like that. But no, they, they put the titles on Cody and Jay. Um, I don't know. I mean, this feels like maybe we're not going to get Cody versus Roman. I mean, we're still months and months away, but I mean, it's completely different. I thought the match that they had with Kevin and Sammy was, was fantastic on Raw. Really, really good match. Um, but yeah, I mean, B-Pay-Per-View, I think Shinsuke Nakamura continuing to be you know, an upper mid-card heel for for the Raw side has been really good. I mean, him attacking Ricochet, now it looks like him and Ricochet are going to have a last man, or a, not last man, they're going to have some sort of match uh, coming up. Um, so I think that that's been good for Shinsuke. I think he's kind of developed into his heel persona very well. You know, he was kind of just a, a bland baby face with with cool entrance interest, interest music for all these years, but now that they've given his character a little bit of range and let him work as a heel and you know wear his street clothes and things like that, I think it was it's been pretty good for Raw.
0: Yeah, for me, I think my main takeaway I got coming out of this show is that I think Seth Rollins is holding on to the world title until WrestleMania. I thought the way they had built up Nakamura and all the video packages they had done with him and all everything like that. I thought for sure that I shouldn't say for sure. I mean, we, we were given our predictions on the preview show. I thought there was a possibility that they could pull the trigger and actually put the title on Nakamura. Um, so, you know, especially, you know, depending on the severity of Seth Rollins back injury, we don't know that it's still a part of the storyline that he has going even now with, uh, his next opponent, Drew McIntyre for crown jewel lined up. So, um, There's the possibility there, but I don't see Drew as somebody taking the title off him. I mean, Drew's kind of come and gone, I think, as uh, a world title contender that we've talked about and hyped up on the show well before he even won the world title. But uh, I thought there was an outside possibility Nakamura could have won this uh, this past Saturday. And that was not the case. And also just I think people, you know, I know Seth Rollins character isn't for everybody, but people got to start giving Seth Rollins the respect he deserves. I see people just saying all the time how he's like a, he's, you know, he's not as big main event guy as he is. But come on, this dude is, uh, you know, out there busting his ass every day. Every time he's out there, he's, you know, a world he's the world champion on Raw. He's the workhorse champion. He hasn't had a bad match, I don't think, since he won the title. Uh, he had a classic set of matches with Cody a while back. He had a classic set of matches with Ed, matches with Edge a while back. Like, start giving this guy the respect that he deserves. I mean, now we do it on this show, but you just see it all the time like other places where it's like, okay, like come on, like you know, with Seth Rollins is you know he's overrated, but no, he's just as good as a Moxley or in in the ring or a Roman in the ring. He knows what he's doing out there. He's yeah, he's a company guy. He's gonna chill the WWE company line, whatever. But uh, you know, just give him his credit and like i said i think he's holding this world title till at least wrestlemania where there could be a potential matchup with uh gunther i still think that would seem like to be the obvious choice down the line but we'll see what happens when we get there uh and then of course you know outside of Fastlane lane and raw we had the big nxt um WWE showdown, or sorry, excuse me, NXT AEW showdown this past Tuesday on Dynamite, which ratings wise, uh, if you care, was won by NXT in both overall viewers and the demo. Uh, we'll talk about Tony's Khan's response tweets later, and uh, we'll get into one actually just popped up I saw in the last hour that we're recording that we'll talk about it too. But of course, the NXT show was lined up with John Cena, uh, Undertaker was there, Asuka was there. Paul Heyman was there, Cody Rhodes was there, LA Knight was there, so the WWE stacked up the show because they knew AEW was coming on to um coming on to their night because uh AEW had to move. I believe it was I don't remember if it was for baseball or hockey or a combination of both, probably baseball. Uh, and NXT ended up winning. So uh, Cam, I'll go over to you first on this topic here. Did you watch uh NXT or AEW and just your thoughts on it?
2: Well, I mean, since the you know when they had the quote NXT WWE or AEW Wars what a couple years ago when they both were on Tuesdays, you know I flipped back and forth. You know we had Jericho and Parahouse Hobbs I skipped over and was kind of watching the six man with the brawling brutes and Tyler Bate versus um, Gallus and you know I was flipping back and forth and I mean I think that I mean before we get to the details and all that stuff, and everyone wants to say, oh, Cena, Tekker, Cody, Kevin Owens, blah blah blah. Um, AEW still didn't have a good show. They didn't put out their best foot forward. I mean, Danielson and Swerve, obviously, but other than that, Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs, whatever. Women, uh, they hot, they hot, they moved the the woman's title back over again. Who cares? Um, it wasn't his best, their best foot forward. So you can say Cena being there, Undertaker being there. Um, you know, everyone being in the corners for the main event and all this stuff that people want to talk about WWE doing, AEW still could have put their best foot forward and had a great show and they didn't. So um, I don't care about ratings, never will, never had, never will. Um, but it's as far as a wrestling show, even if we're not doing it as a ratings war, I mean WWE had the better show. I mean, they had seen it come out there and cut a promo in front of the NXT fans, the NXT fans loved it. Um, he had Braun Breaker out there with Cena you know you had some good matches you know Dragonoff is a I think a really really good NXT world champion I've been on him I drafted him in our in our fantasy uh, draft a couple months ago so I've always found him to be a star but I mean overall WWE NXT show wasn't fantastic by any stretch of the imagination but the lackluster show that AEW put out there to me signifies that I mean I don't know if they need more star power or maybe just need to stay in their lane a little bit. But, I mean, again, Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs and all these other matches that they had, it was like, eh, okay, whatever. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I thought it was – it's good for wrestling. You know, it gets people talking. It gets the internet chatting. It gets people talking crap about one promotion or the other. So, I mean, that's that's always good for pro wrestling. But I think, you know, even if you didn't have Cena and Ticker and Cody, you know, appear in – be the gm for the night and things like that i think just the the dragon off match was better and then carmelo and braun breaker was great so i think the nxt still wins the overall better show because aew just didn't put their best foot forward when they had the chance
0: yeah i mean i know they got edge and christian they're dynamic together again but do did i really want to see edges first match in aew against luchasaurus i mean no offense to the guy luchasaurus but he's just a uh... Uh, heavy for Christian and a mid card act. Now, I know they're not going to jump right to Edge versus Christian, but I can think of a handful of better options they could have done out there uh, to give Edge a better match of what he ended up doing. And of course, you know, it, it probably hurt a little bit that they had to pull John Moxley from the show. Uh, I think it was, I think I saw almost like an hour before the show started because he wasn't medically cleared. And then, of course, there's a controversy with MJF and the whole roll of quarters situation kind of playing on his. Jewish background with everything going on in Israel and Palestine right now, that seemed like it was a little off, but I mean the thing I've always said with AEW is they put on good matches. I'm not going to deny it that they put on good matches, but there's just not a lot of meat to the bone to it when they put on these good matches. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that was a good match, Like, so what's the follow-up to it? And it seems like Tony Khan sometimes is scared to have like bigger matches between people because he doesn't want somebody to lose. So that's always my criticism of AEW is you can go out there and put on you know, five four star matches, if you want to rate them in two hour show, which would be great, but there's just no story to it. I mean, I always bring up the story of when I went to the, the one AEW Dynamite Rampage taping I went to that they finished Rampage with, you know, uh, Claudio Castagnoli against Dax Harwood. And it's like, okay, that should be a really great wrestling match. But Nobody in the crowd cared about it because there was no buildup to it. There would have been, there was, you know, there was nothing to go. Oh, yeah, it's going to be wrestling. And of course it's at the end of a four hour show that you're there. Cause they're taping at that time. They're still taping dark beforehand. And you got two hours of dynamite. Then you got your hour of rampage after. So that's the thing. It's like, he gave us some backstory to some of this stuff. And like you said, with NXT, they did a good job of mixing, you know, the current talent with the young talent. I mean, like I said, you had, uh, I saw Carmelo Hayes doing the Undertaker hand raise, or fist raise with uh, Undertaker when they were leaving. Uh, you had Oscar and Roxanne Perez mixing it up, wrestling one another. Uh, John's, like I said, John Cena in the in the corner of Carmelo Hayes. It's like you know they've mixed these guys together in a way that it worked for NXT, where it put the shine on the guys that they see as stars, like a Braun Breaker, like a Carmelo Hayes. We saw Braun Breaker talking with Paul Heyman, and afterwards we see Paul, hey- Paul Heyman calling Roman Reigns, meaning. There could be an alliance between Braun Breaker and Paul Heyman later on. They set future things up on this episode of NXT while also delivering a quality show as well, in my opinion, which is why, again, I'm with Cam. It's again, overall, when you compare what they progressed, what they ended up doing in the ring and what, you know, they kind of want you to see moving forward. I think they did a good job. And let's not forget, again, ratings, whatever. NXT in overall viewers beat aew dynamite last week too yeah it did it win the demo whatever but they ended up having more viewers so yes they had to get some they wanted to put more star power on the show because aew had to move because of baseball playoffs but at the same time i do think nxt kind of put on a better overall show uh what are your thoughts chairman
1: yeah i mean these two shows had a lot to go against you know because we're in the thick of the baseball playoffs hockey started tuesday so, there's a lot of stuff going on, too. So, you almost had to make decisions or have multiple TVs set up. But AEW is very week by week. I don't think they have very good long term plans. Like, we used to crap on WWE for doing this. Like, the, the episodes just didn't feel like if you miss one, oh, freaking well. Like, the pay per views, I remember AEW first started, I felt like they were planned out well. And now they just. Oh, here comes another EW pay-per-view in a month. Uh, We'll just do a card together a week or two beforehand. Like, it's very just... We're progressing here. Like, some of these matches, sure, they make sense. I mean, obviously, there's some rivalries going on, but they're not, like, big rivalries. Like, you just don't care. Like, for example, Heyman Page is feuding with Swerve. He screws Swerve over in Brian O'Danielson. but then why the hell is Adam Page wrestling Jay White when Jay White's feuding with MJF? Like, it's just weird. I mean... I don't know, the women's title, that whole division's a fucking joke. Like, you know, Soraya gets the big win in her home country, and then, oh, drops the title already, and it's just like, well, nothing against Sheeta. She's a fine performer, but most of the year, she was nowhere to be seen on TV, and then all of a sudden, she's coming back and winning the title, losing the title, winning the title. Like, Tony Storm has kind of changed her whole entire persona right now, and that seems to be one of the more interesting things going on in AEW, so... Why wasn't she the one to dethrone Soraya? She's probably the most interesting, but whatever. I mean, you had Orange Cassidy winning the the freaking Intercontinental channel back and freaking, I I don't know, it's a a fucking dumpster fire, that whole organization right now is. Like, was Kenny Omega even freaking there? I mean, what what was that tell you? So, you know, NXT, you know, they're putting their best foot forward. You know, they're bringing, you know, Paul Heyman, John Cena, Cody Rhodes. And even without those guys, I think that NXT still had a very good show, like, they put their best foot forward. He had a great match with Dragunov and Dirty Dom who gets massive nuclear heat still. It's it's incredible. Like, that's character work. That's character development. We shit on Dom so much when he's hanging out with Daddy as a generic baby face, but Dom put the fucking work in to become the heel he is today. You know, Day has helped him get there, working with those guys, but Dirty Dom gets reactions. And when you're getting reactions like that, you're doing something right. So kudos to him. You know, Braun Breaker, Carmel Hayes, they got bright futures ahead. Those two, you know, Big stars. like I think those two and Dragunov, you know, those three, they go to our SmackDown down the road here. They're going to be impact players, all three of them. They got a good thing going down there with Shawn Michaels and NXT.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. Shawn Michaels really knows what he's doing down there. He's built up, like I said, he's built up these newer stars. We, you bring up Carmella Hayes, you bring up Dragonoff, You've got Tiffany Stratton, who I think, you know from what I've seen with her program with Becky, has improved leaps and bounds since she's been down there. Um, they have a strong women's division down there. They got her, they've got, you know, Becky's down there. Now you've got Roxanne Perez. Um, I know Cora Jade hasn't been around for a while. I don't know what she's doing, but she's down there as well. It's a solid, you know, foundation of women down there. And like we said, Dom, I think like I saw the charts actually, again, ratings. Dom was in the highest rated segments on NXT. So dirty Dom is a draw. It looks like people want to tune in to see what Dom Mysterio is doing. And of course they also have dragon Lee down there too, as well. Um, they might have Jade Cargill down there soon. Who knows? I know that she was shown with Shawn Michaels on, um uh, on NXT this past weekend or this past week. So uh, Shawn knows what he's doing down there when it comes to uh young talent. Uh, Did you guys, I, I think chairman, I think you saw, did you see the Brian Pillman jr. Video and your thoughts on that?
1: That was interesting. I'm hooked already. Like, you know, just like how he just pretty much denounced his entire father. Like, it's like, holy shit, man. Like, I'm really curious to see where this ends up. It's a lot of question marks right now, but when I saw that he left AEW and then he got picked up by WWE slash NXT, I'm like, I think they're going to do big things for Brian Pillman Jr. Like, I think he has some good opportunities in AEW to showcase, but obviously he kind of just got left behind. So this kid could be a potential breakout candidate for me. I, I think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. What about you, Cam? Did you see?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am I've been on board the Brian Pillman
2: train there. I think, you know, a lot of guys got lost in the shuffle on AEW the last year or two, um, you know, only working dark, only working dynamite every six weeks when Tony Khan remembers people are under contract. Um, so I think it's 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 interesting. I think they could do a lot with with his gimmick, the ideas. I don't think there's really really anyone that's quite that's in NXT right now that's that's like that 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 can give those kind of promos and and um be like like the heel that he can. You know, Braun Breaker's your your stereotypical like bad guy heel. So I think Pillman actually has a chance to kind of right off the bat, maybe get himself involved with Trick Williams, Carmelo Hayes. You know, there's some guys down there that he doesn't have to necessarily start at the bottom. He can work his way right up to the mid card, upper mid card, because he has, you know, he has the, the first of all, he has his father's name and then he has time in AEW. So the WWE is going to use both of those things against AEW and hopefully develop a star with him and a star with Jay Cargill. And then Tony Khan can be like, well, you know, I got Orange Cassidy over here. Orange Cassidy, he's a good guy.
0: Yeah, of course, you know, I saw the the stereotypical response from everybody right away, because obviously he's changing his name to King. I forgot what the first name is going to be. But, oh, what's the one thing Brian Pillman Jr. has going for him, his name? Yeah. How far did that get him in AEW just by going off the Brian Pillman Jr. name? It probably got him in the door, and that's it. And they can still play off him being a Pillman here where he's denouncing his family. And let's be honest, I mean, yeah, people like us, our age, we remember Brian Pillman, you know, from the 90s. But we're now at, Brian Pillman died in 1997. So it's 26 years since he passed away. And it's like, there's a good chunk of wrestling fans nowadays who don't even know who Brian Pillman is. So it's not like, you know, it's not somebody like, like the rock's daughter who the rock shows up every uh, so often. And you know, everybody knows him or it's not like, you know, if Rick flair who showed up on WTV every year, Charlotte flair, didn't go by her flair last name. It's like, it's been 26 years since Brian Pillman passed away and they, they can still play up. His whole character is going to be that he doesn't want his name. So they'll still be able to reference the Brian Pillman name, the Pillman last name, while also having this new character that Brian Pillman Jr. be playing as somebody that wants to denounce it and get his new name over at the same time. So you can't say he had his name going for him where it got him Dick in AEW. And now he's in NXT where he's getting a whole brand new character where he's still going to bring up the name, but he's just going to have a different name for himself. Like, come on people get with the program here.
1: I got one thing to chime in real quick in the quote, the great Brody Lee, Griff fucking Garrison. That's all that got Brian Pillman Jr.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, what's that guy doing nowadays ever since Julia Hart dumped him, too? So now she's because she's with um, House of Black. I don't even think I've heard he, I wonder if he's even still
1: under AEW contract. Um, he got squashed by Wardle, like, last week or something.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, good job. Way to go, Griff. Maybe you should have joined uh, Brian Pillman in NXT. Um, But we bring up Tony Khan, and we bring up all the stuff that he's been doing in AEW. and Boy, has he had some stuff to say on Twitter over the last few days. Um, Going all the way back to Tuesday, I can find that he quoted somebody that – that did an article about him. The let me find it while I'm scrolling through the Twitter feed. I swear I just had it. Uh, do, do, do here it is. So a uh, of wrestling posted an article that said Triple H and Shawn Michaels looked to send Tony Khan a message. Didn't ta- Didn't tag Tony Khan in at all. Nothing, you know, nothing salacious there. And Tony uh, Khan kind of responded with, "I have a message for them," and he plugs AEW and puts up a picture that says "bald asshole," and it's like, uh okay. And then somebody, as I see as I'm going through Tony Khan's timeline here, somebody photoshopped a picture of Shawn Michaels as Observer Wrestler or Observer Booker of the Year. And that, of course, triggered Tony Khan. And he talked about how. How after last night's show, any any you know Tony Khan kind of ruined that, or you know, like no chance of that because you know Tony Khan's going to be book of the year, and it's like oh my god, dude, it is a Wrestling Observer of the Year award that you know Dave Meltzer's subscribers vote on. Do you really care that much about this award? Like, give me a break. But he didn't stop uh, again, so. Uh, so there's, again, a Twitter feed on from a note that didn't even tag Tony Khan. And somebody says something along the lines of, the difference is that Vince has the power and influence to take cheap shots. He's earned the right to make them. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I want to make sure I'm reading the right one. Yeah. Uh, Tony Khan is Vince if you order him for <laughs> Timu. Uh, blah 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 you can shop like a billionaire and Tony Khan just again not in this tweet not tagged in it at all finds it and says yes Vince has allegedly used his power and influence to shoot a lot of shots implying Vince's you know rape allegations that have been against him in the past I'm not defending that whatsoever but trying to score brownie points like that on Twitter by finding a tweet like this like come on dude seriously and then I thought that was all we were going to talk about but in the last hour Tony Khan sent out this tweet This week, two active, decades-long rating streaks from two great legends were ended. With all due respect, until this week's head-to-head AEW on TBS versus WWE in USA, neither John Cena nor Undertaker have ever been on a WWE show with under 1 million total viewers and under 400k in the demo. Wow! Like, give me a break, dude. Like... You are trying to spin this so badly to win brownie points on Twitter and brownie points with your hardcore AEW fans who, by the way, haven't been watching your show the last couple of weeks anyway is because your ratings have gone down and your attendance has gone down. I mean, when I see tweets like this, yeah, I understand Tony Khan can be funny sometimes on Twitter and he's had some that have been good. But like this guy is coming off as a spoiled brat who got his birthday ruined because NXT loaded up their show. And it's, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's not like I understand AEW wasn't trying to take a direct shot at NXT. It was scheduling, you know, baseball playoffs, had to move, get it, take the L and move on. Like, I don't understand why you're trying to go all out in this, you know, battle here. And, you know, people will say, oh, he's just trying to take funny shots on Twitter. You're also the owner of a pro wrestling company. You own a soccer team, you own a football team. It's like you've gotten in spats like this before. I forgot who it was with the. I think it was maybe it was Yannick. I think it was Yannick Engu from the Jaguars. He got into something with before on Twitter. It's like, dude, come on, stop acting like this. Take the L. Go back to Wednesday nights and be like, just I feel like because what dynamite was also on his birthday. Like he probably had the worst birthday ever, and has been on a two day bender just with all the coke and all like the um the seltzers that he's had and just has pounded them. But it's not the way. That I would want if I was a wrestler in AEW, I would not want to see like this kind of stuff from Tony Khan, who's supposed to be the leader. Do you see Triple H doing this? You see sean Michaels doing this? You know Vince doesn't probably even know what Twitter is, and whoever runs Vince's Twitter would doesn't do this. Like Nick, like people gave Nick Khan shit for calling Tony ha- Tony Khan a child, but he's kind of proven it in these tweets like this, I think as far as I'm concerned, uh. but you see the stuff like this from Tony Khan chairman on Twitter. And just, what do you think of when you see this kind of stuff?
1: I just laugh. Cause it's hilarious. Like the dude's tilting bad, like bro, it's do better, like do better. Like just, you guys had something going, you know, the first couple of years you started, you know, you guys were the hot new thing and you were the Kings of the wrestling ring. But now you guys are, losing people falling off like i said before like you guys are just week by week you guys are doing too much cancel rampage nobody watches that freaking dump i mean collision saturday night that ain't happening bud like you guys just need to get back to the basics you know make mjf defend the title on a big show once in a while i mean what's he defend the title like four times since he won it five times like you guys knew you guys had baseball playoffs or hockey going on like you knew NXT was bringing the big dogs. Like, you could easily have MJF defend the title against JY right there now. Easy. Would have that move the needle? I don't know. But, you know, you could have had Kenny. You could have had the Bucks. You could have got, you know, all your big, big superstars that had big matches and, you know, had a freaking pay-per-view on TV. If you wanted to break a million, that could have been the way to do it. Instead, you're just booking freaking – Sheeta mm-hmm. and Soraya and Powerhouse Hobbs and Jericho, that shit ain't getting the needle, needle move, bud. So, go back to crying on Twitter, because you got your ass handed to you.
0: Yeah, it almost makes me not want to go, like, so, like, uh, AEW is coming to uh, Erie, Pennsylvania for a collision the first Saturday in December, and that's like about an hour, 15, hour and a half drive. For me, easily drive, easy, easily, wow, I can't talk, easy drive for me that I can do, and it's just like, I see this shit, I'm like, do I even want to support this guy anymore? Like, i don't know uh what do you what do you think of when you see this stuff cam from tony Khan?
2: i mean i'm in the same boat you got dynamite coming to ontario california which is about an hour from my house i could easily hit that don't want to do it um you got full gear going to the kia the forum in los angeles where i you know i I texted justin when they announced it it's only set up for 9500 people typically the wwe will run a house show at the kia forum they don't usually use Staples center or crypto arena excuse me um, for house shows, and they usually do about eight, 9,000 people. So one of your major pay-per-views is being set up at a venue that could easily hold probably twelve to 15,000, but they're only doing 9,000 because they know that no one's buying it. Um, and I agree with Chairman. I mean, if you – he wants – Tony Khan's ups, upset, okay? So Tony Khan's mad that they had to move Tuesday. It's not like NXT followed them. It's not like NXT was like, well, we're going to move to Tuesday too because of baseball playoffs. NXT's already on Tuesday um sorry that the network you're on says hey we've got more important stuff like baseball and the hockey season starting for your little wrestling show so we're gonna move you nights nice. um do what chairman said actually promote a fucking mjf is your number one asset and yeah he comes out and he cuts promos and yeah he does some backstage vignettes which they're starting to get bad That. But... The Adam Cole Roddy Strong vignettes are getting stupid now. At first, it was funny, it was cool, with the stuff you know they shot with MJF and and Cole leading up to their title match. But now it's just boring. Now it's just dumb. Now it's just Roddy Strong sitting there in a fucking hospital gown yelling at him. Like it's it's dumb. It's boring. Um, injuries happen, man. This is you're in a you're in a physical sport. You're in a physical a game where injuries are going to happen. It's time for you to pivot now. If you wanted to beat the WWE and you wanted to beat Cena and The Undertaker and, and Cody Rhodes and everybody else, advertise MJF and a partner of his choosing versus Jay White and somebody else. Advertise something. Have good matches. I talked about at the beginning, Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Who gives a fuck about that? I love Chris Jericho. Always have, always will. I don't give two shits about watching him wrestle powerhouse Hobbs. And then he lost. Now they're trying to supposedly build up powerhouse Hobbs out of fucking nowhere. Who hasn't been on TV in like five months, six months, a year. Who knows the last time powerhouse Hobbs was on TV. And he's beating Jericho basically unannounced. I mean, I don't know. Tony Khan, like I said, he he's a spoiled kid. He's used to getting his way. And he thought he had the cool new hip promotion, which he did for two years. And Tony Khan should know this as a wrestling fan first. That if your product's not good, people aren't gonna watch it. The WWE for a few years was bad. Raw was at all time low ratings. You know, we talked about it, but we the three of us were barely watching the WWE product for a while there because it wasn't good. Now the WWE's is a little bit better. AEW still isn't getting better. They're hot shotting tag team tit- they're hot shotting tag titles with no build-up. They're hot shotting the woman's title with no build-up. Um, your number one asset sometimes is on tv sometimes he's not um aew has been a mess for a while and it's not just the adam cole injury it's it's kind of everything you know you had your kenny omega who's hurt he's 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 kayfabing hurt on a show you're going head to head with aew at least have a kenny omega promo a, a pre-taped promo from his house something like what are you guys doing um yeah i mean tony Khan's just frustrated i think he's frustrated with the lack of his booking and that he can't get over that hump. But hey, man, the Jaguars are winning some football games.
0: Yeah, I guess I, I got to be careful because the Jaguars beat my Bills this past weekend. But who the hell cares? Yeah, it's um, maybe the guy that, <clears throat> excuse me. And of course, there's a guy that, you know, maybe kind of triggered this Tony Khan mental breakdown. CM Punk after he, Tony Khan felt threatened for his life for the first time ever, apparently, at All-In in Wembley Stadium. You know, now that he's gone in AEW, the scuttlebutt was, or they, some people are saying he's coming to WWE, Survivor Series, Chicago, look out. And then there was a report from Dave Meltzer the other day that said that WWE, according to him and his sources, turned down CM Punk, that Triple H and Vince and Nick Khan made the decision to go ahead and not hire CM Punk right now at this time due to the baggage that would come along with him. Uh, of course, you know, always with these reports, you got to take them with a grain of salt. There were reports two days before from other people saying that you know, expect CM Punk at Survivor Series. Um, who the hell knows? It's an interesting thing, we talked about it when CM Punk was released. Like, yes, he is obviously a huge name. <clears throat> he still has cachet with people. He would probably draw in more people back to the product. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, do you want to bring along that kind of baggage? I mean, I think there would be no way CM Punk would get away with it in the WWE structure, you know, given how structured everything is there. And then, you know, in AEW, it's just... Tony Khan doing his thing. But if he's not coming in, I think, you know, as much as I would like to see him as a fan of punk, I understand it because WWE kind of has a good flow going right now. And you wonder what exactly CM Punk's story would be if he was interjected into it. I mean, me personally, I think if he came in as company guy, WWE through and through, Uh, I think that would kind of be the best use of him and an interesting twist on his character. But I understand if they do end up not wanting to bring him in right now, you know, given how well WWE seems to be doing. Uh, But just uh, chairman, what are your take on the, the report that CM Punk was turned down by WWE?
1: There could be some bullshit in there. Honestly, I feel like these, these dirt sheet guys, you know, they think they know it all. Maybe WWE just threw them a curveball and said, Oh yeah, we're not interested and they you know they're going to run it so they can get their clicks you know it's 50 50 i mean it's literally 50 50 either he's going to do it or he's not going to do it these guys think they know it all but realistically they could be fed a bunch of crap but obviously cm punk does have problems we've witnessed it firsthand how many times now and he's definitely got some people in the locker room at wb that definitely don't want him there but we all know the wrestling business, never say never. We've seen people that we never thought we'd see again in a WWE ring, and here we have seen them come back. So I think it's one of those things that if it makes sense and the money's right and the interest is there, you know, there might be a shot at it. There might be, absolutely be a shot at it. I personally just don't see where CM Punk would fit in a WWE world right now. I mean, I think they got a lot of their main event spots kind of coveted. Not saying that they can't make room and they definitely could make room. But obviously if he pulls any of the shit he pulled AEW, I mean they won't put up with it. They'll just fire his ass once and for all. So he'll have to play nice. I don't know. Apparently there's some cell phones of the incident with Tony Khan that the wrestlers from AEW passed on to the WWE wrestlers. So I, I don't know. I've heard everything with that. Uh wait and see is all I can say. Wait and see.
0: How about you, Cam? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah. When we first, you know,
2: kind of talked about, you know, when Punk left AEW, that if he did come back to WWE, it would be a year, two, three years from now. You know, come back, do a do a year run, go into the Hall of Fame, call it quits. Um, now with all this stuff, I mean, it's so hard because does Punk is Punk advocating to go back to WWE? Has he reached out to Triple H, Nick Con, Vince? Has he has he reached out to these people? Say, hey, you know, I'm interested in coming back. It's kind of a weird feel because. Punk did nothing for, what, five, six years, however long it was, and then came back at AEW, you know, and all that stuff. Now he's been out at AEW two, three months, two months, and the rumors are flying around that WWE, um, I don't know. I mean, right now, as you stand and you look at everything and you kind of look at the WWE landscape, as a huge CM Punk fan for all these years, if he came back, it would be interesting. I mean, you could put him on SmackDown and maybe be the number one star while Roman's not there. And then obviously him and Paul Heyman have history. So you could do some stuff with, with Jimmy Uso and solo with punk. Um, you could put him on raw and, you know, supposedly the rumors are that Seth Rollins is not a fantasy in punk, but this is WWE where if guys don't get along, doesn't mean they can't go out there and have great wrestling matches. Um, so that, I mean, it's interesting if punk came in to work the WWE into the WWE, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're doing a good thing right now. And it's one of those things where if you have a good team, do you really want a head case being brought in? Do you want an Antonio Brown or, you know, a player like that coming onto your team where, yeah, he can help. He obviously has talent and has some power and he he can draw in some people, but does it ultimately hurt the product? I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm on the wait and see stuff too. Survivor Series, I don't know. Um, if it is WWE just you know being quiet about it and not wanting anything, and CM Punk shows up at the Rumble, I mean I would, this would be the ultimate. Like out of, since AEW has started, and they've took they've took Moxley, they've taken Adam Cole, they took or excuse me, yeah Adam Cole, they've taken Edge, they've taken um, CM Punk for a little bit, they've taken Danielson, they've taken Swerve, Keith Lee I think is still under contract even though that's the most, I mean WWE underutilized him, but Jesus Christ AEW Keith Lee, what happened there? Um, so they've taken a lot of guys. But if come January 26th or 27th, whatever day the Royal Rumble is, if fucking CM Punk and MJF, who I called a few weeks ago saying that MJF <clears throat> would be making his debut in the WWE at the Royal Rumble this coming January, bookmark it, write it down, take a picture. I don't care. MJF is done with AEW. I think he's done everything he can do there. He's got a freaking spoiled little brat as a boss. Um, You know, I think MJF is done. I think he's going to finish up, go to the WWE, elevate his profile even further. But what a slap in the face it would be to Tony Khan if Punk and MJF both debut at the Royal Rumble. But hey, I got Orange Cassidy, and John Moxley is willing to bleed on TV every single week.
0: Oh, my God. I think I can just imagine the the tweet storm from Tony Khan right now. Well, you know, uh, yeah, MJF didn't draw, you know, he only drew 50,000 people for the Rumble. But when he was champion for me, he drew 70,000 people at Wembley Stadium. I can absolutely see that tweet coming out of Tony Khan's hands right now as I'm thinking about it. Um So yeah, we got there, we finished up the news there of the week, uh, and we're going to go back now, as I said uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, last week we just didn't do it because, uh, you know, we recorded in two parts, but our weekly top five uh, segment that we're going to end up doing, and this week, you know, given Edge's debut a couple weeks ago in AEW, uh, the topic is, or our list is, I should say, uh, top five wrestler promotion debuts you know from jumping from one company to another so kind of a long title there but uh given we've seen what edge had done and of course obviously talking about what cm punk and mjf could do if they debuted but of course uh so that's our list this week uh with the caveat being that it had to be done within a year so like obviously you know Scott Hall would qualify, Chris Jericho would qualify, but like Goldberg showing up in WWE in two thousand three wouldn't qualify. Uh, and I didn't know, Chairman, that this puts a huge dent in your list uh, when I sent that to you. So I apologize in advance. Uh, but I'll let you start here. Uh, why don't you give us your top five wrestler promotion jumps of all time?
1: You want all five of them, or just one by one?
0: Um, let's do let's do one by one. Uh, let's spread it out a little bit
1: all right we probably all have this one so i'm gonna drop it um i have picked five different promotions so my favorite from each promotion um wwe chris jericho 99 debut in chicago i mean the countdown to the millennium it was huge i mean the promo with the rock you know just iconic debut and obviously jericho got away from the old boys in wcw and became a undisputed champion not too far after his debut like a few years later and obviously jericho test of time 30 years plus in the business so him going to the wwe was a huge game changer all
0: right i'll give my number five here uh i'm gonna kind of like you said i have a one from ecw here it's kind of a return but a sandman's return to ecw after he had left from wcw um is from 99 is really good i mean um it's you know the lights at the ECW arena, so that obviously helps. Uh, you know the lights go out, then all of a sudden you hear Enter Sandman hit, and you see you hear the music playing, and then you see the spotlight over on Sandman as he's at like a, uh, he's on top of like a uh, like a like just a side part of the arena, and the whole time it's playing. He goes, he kicks some ass for a little bit. And then he, you know, he embraces Tommy Dreamer in the ring. Afterward, they share a beer. Uh, it's one of the nostalgia things that you get to see in the ECW arena like that. Uh, you know, there's a special place there, obviously with ECW and the nostalgia history. Uh, so that's going to be my number five: is Sandman's return to ECW. Uh, Cam, why don't you give your number five and your number four while you're here?
2: Um, so a lot of my, a lot of mine are WWE based. I'm going to start off. i I think this was my number five. It's going to be, you know during the time where NXT was on fire and just signing everyone left and right and guys coming over from different promotions, I'm going to go with Finn Balor, you know, Prince Debit, when he came over from new Japan to the WWE, I think it was just the start of NXT just really, really rolling after that point, just everyone coming in and doing great things and having fantastic matches and making NXT must see television every single week. So I think number five for me is going to be, um, is going to be, Finn Balor, Prince Debit, debuting for the WWE. Um, my number four will also say WWE, and I think that even though a lot of people knew it was coming, but we didn't know when, was AJ Styles. I mean, that pop, you know, you'll never forget Roman Reigns' face. AJ Styles coming in number three, that Royal Rumble, freaking fantastic. I mean, everyone loved it. He had a great run after that, WWE champion, matches with Cena, all that stuff. Um like I said, people kind of heard the rumors that AJ was coming over. We didn't really know he got kicked out of the Bullet Club like a week or two before his debut, so we kind of knew it was coming. We just didn't know where. Um, so when his debut at the Royal Rumble sent a shockwave through the pro wrestling world, and I think it was probably one of the better debuts, especially at a at a major pay per view like that.
0: Agreed. Uh, my number four, I'm going to go to AEW, and I'm going to do John Moxley's debut. Um, it kind of set them up as as like a, you know, everybody's like, okay, AEW, they got the Bucks, they got Kenny, they got a few other XW guys, but I feel like Moxley debuting like he did, as quickly as they did, set them up to kind of be like, okay, all right, they are, you know, they're they could be serious players down the line. You're getting somebody who was just in the shield, you know. Of course, you know Moxley hadn't been used that great um, in between all that, but you know, it's like, okay, oh shit, they got a big time guy from WWE. It was a big, uh, I think at that time it was a big win uh, for them. So that ends up at number four on my list. So uh, chairman, over to you. Why don't you give us your number four and your number three?
1: Yeah. So, I also had John Moxley for my AEW one, and it's like you said, you know, the creative in WWE just ruined him, and it's like, you know, Jericho was there day one for AEW and whatnot, but, like, Moxley was kind of the one that came in after they started for a while, and, you know, he left WWE, and we all knew he was going to end up there, and it happened, and everybody went crazy, and then he won the title from Jericho, and you know, lately his usage has been kind of questionable and we joke more now, when's he going to bleed? But, you know, the Moxley was one of the few guys to jump ship and it was huge. Um, my next one is from ECW. Usually, you know, ECW guys leave ECW and go on to bigger, better things. But this character I'm going to pick is Raven, who joined ECW in January 95, because beforehand Johnny Polo, Scotty Flamingo, whatever the hell he's doing before that, you know, he's just a manager, basically jobber. But then when he went to ECW in 95, you know, he took on the Raven persona and, you know, he became one of the big catalysts of that company. And, you know, he got huge, became a champion, great feuds of guys like Tommy Dreamer. And then, of course, he jumped to WCW and WWE with the Raven gimmick, but his ECW run was top notch.
0: That is a deep cut. I did not think about that, but that is a really good one there, given, like you said, the fact that you never saw anything with him like that in the uh in WWE or even he was in WCW for a cup of coffee before that too. Uh my number three, so just to move on here quickly is also gonna be AJ Styles uh to WWE. Um like I said, it's um like Cam pretty much nailed all of it there. It's like you said the reaction that he gets, the look on Roman's face, of course, the camera shots really didn't do it too much justice considering how badly they shot it where I think they should have probably shot the entrance first and then Roman's face, but instead we got Roman's face first. Uh, but like he's like Cam said, it's like an all time big uh, a big you know return from somebody that just came over from New Japan like that. So that's my number three. Uh, so cam, over to you, why don't you give us your number three and your number two?
2: Okay, my number three is gonna be Paul Wright, the big show debuting for the WWE. I mean uh, coming over in the feud of Stone Cold and Vince McMahon and coming through the canvas and beating the crap out of Vince. Um, or excuse me, beating the crap out of Stone Cold, kind of really elevated his career to what it would be like. What a 20-year run with the WWE um, came in, you know, as as the Big Show and all that stuff, and had a great run. I think it was one of those debuts where people were shocked, and Vince, you know, had that ace in ace in the hole to make sure he stayed WWE champion. Um, so it was a great debut, especially you know during the Attitude Era, where kind of guys were kind of flip-flopping back and forth between the WWE and WCW. And um, I think it was, it was really well done, and it's kind of set his career to where he is now, being Captain Zeno for AEW. Uh, my number two is going to be Moxley, because I was dead wrong, 100% dead wrong. I thought after he left the WWE, he would take some time off, maybe go to Japan, do something else. He went straight to AEW, had the debut against, against Kenny, and it was really good for AEW at the time. And again, I was 100% wrong on him going to AEW.
0: All right. Uh, my number two is going to be uh, Cody's re-back jump to the WWE at WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, there's really there's no bigger way for somebody to kind of debut than as a surprise wrestler at WrestleMania or re-debut, I guess, if you want to say in Cody's case. Um, <laughs> just a just a great moment, a great pop. It's going to live forever again. It's one of those things where even though everybody knew it was coming uh it was like no it's like holy shit like the, the reaction everybody gave him was just great uh and then of course you know it's led on now to him being what you could argue is the biggest star in wwe hell you could even maybe make an argument he's the biggest star in wrestling right now uh so that is my number two uh so chairman why don't you give us your number two and then also your number one
1: all righty so for tna i'm picking the kurt angle arrival in 2006 you know, Kurt Angle is obviously a huge star in WWE, you know, multi-time champion, you know, phenomenal, you know, great wrestler, hilarious, you know, just he, 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 checked all the boxes, but then he had some demons and obviously him and WWE had to part ways. And this was kind of like the biggest TNA acquisition since they kind of started. I mean, they had some other guys show up, you know, during the time, you know, and we also got to witness the up and coming guys like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, but then like, you know, outside of like maybe a Jeff Hardy and Christian Cage jumping over, Kurt Angle is by far the biggest guy to jump over there. And, you know, he obviously took that whole place by storm of great feuds with Sting, Samoa Joe, you know, he brought in his crazy wife who ended up getting with Jeff Jarrett later, which is disgusting, you know, but, um, you know, Kurt Angle obviously proved that he could be awesome in TNA just as he was in WWE. And um, my number one, um, we probably all have this, maybe not for WCW though, but before I give that one, I have to give the honorable mention to Rick Rude for being the only guy to appear on Raw and Nitro the same night. So check that box. But um Scott Hall is my number one. You know, there's a lot of guys that went to WCW, WWE, but when Scott Hall joined, like, you know, this is before we had basically no internet. So like I was like, holy shit, that's Razor Ramon. What's he doing there? You know, then the whole NWO started, Nash showed up, you know, and the rest is history. But like seeing that happen was just a freaking ex- Experience for me as a younger wrestling fan, I was like, "Holy shit, you'll never see anything like that anymore." Because now we live in the dirt sheet era of social media. But back in '96, though, that was a huge deal.
0: Well, for me, my number one—I couldn't decide which Jeff Jarrett Attitude Era return I wanted to pick. So, no, I'm just kidding. There's no way in hell that would end up on number one of on my list. Um, I am with Chairman as well. Uh. Scott Hall to WCW I think uh, Was it you know it's funny it's like you could Technically have fit Hulk Hogan to WCW within our parameters because It was within a year but I don't think it's as big of an impact as Hulk Hogan would have been, at least for me. Like Scott Hall, I think it's bigger because like you said, Scott Hall is like, holy shit. Like uh, you call, like, I think I remember calling one of my other wrestling fans when I was watching the, my buddies. And I was like, holy shit. Are you watching Nitro? Like Scott Hall's on like young, like young, so like that's like, he like said never, I didn't know anything about it. No idea. And then, holy shit. There he is on WCW and Hulk Hogan. Um, like, yeah, he debuts in 94, but he was like, WCW was, People there were sick of him. All the fans were sick of him at that point. So I think without Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showing up like they did, uh, I don't think WCW goes on the upswing that they end up going on. So that's why I think Scott Hall is a bigger deal than Hulk Hogan showing up to WCW. So I'm going to go ahead and say I also have Scott Hall on my list as number one. Uh, who is your number one, Cam?
2: Well, it was hard for me to make a number one because I agree with you guys 100%. So my one B was Scott Hall, even though, like, the NWO stuff was great, and you know Scott Hall gave a little bit more length to his career and things like that. But I'm still going to go Jericho number one overall one A, because Jericho went from WCW Cruiserweights Eddie Guerrero Ultimate Dra- Ultimate Dragon Dean Malenko. He went from wrestling those guys, and no disrespect at all, zero disrespect towards Malenko, the late Eddie Guerrero, and and everyone else from the Cruiserweight division from WCW time. But Bischoff and company didn't see a star in this guy. He went to WWE. The first person he's fucking cutting a promo against is The Rock. So you go from wrestling sometimes on WCW against lower mid-card guys to going up against the number one or number two wrestler on the entire planet the next week is insane to me um everyone bought in right away it wasn't like uh oh crap man this guy it's going to take a few weeks to stick or do we even know who chris jericho is or anything like that it was a boom i'm here i'm here going straight to the top first undisputed champion blah 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 now he's wasting away fucking wrestling powerhouse hobbs on 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 wednesday nights um so it is what it is but i i think that's the clear cut number one just because he went from where he went from on the card in WCW to where he went to on the card in the WWE in such a quick time.
0: All right. And that is our top five for uh, wrestling debuts and new promotions. Feel free to drop us your top five on our Twitter page at the hot underscore tag. But for my co host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off. And we will talk to you guys next week.